You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul Episode 18 Katai Listeners, this is DJ in the Dark. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new here, you might remember me from Double DJ's Midnight R at 109.9. DJ's the name my mama gave me. Hope you're all excited for tonight's double bill because I know I am. But before we begin, let's take a look at some of your responses to last week's episode. JK Rimmon says, There's no way that last guy with the story with the burn victim was a real doctor. I'm in my first year of medical school, and even I know that that guy wouldn't have ended up in his own room so quickly. I wish you checked the credentials of the people you're interviewing before putting up their stories. Thanks for the comment, JK. As much as I'd love to verify a lot of the stories we receive here on DJ in the Dark, we want to preserve people's privacy to the best of our ability. They can post about their feature and tag our social media if they like, but if they want to keep it all under wraps for any other reason, their job, their personal safety, or any other reason, we give them the option. Woxy says, As funny as it might sound, I have an uncle who saw a creature that matched the description of Dogman during one of his hikes. He even sent me an old-school Polaroid somewhere. I'll try to find it and tag you when I do. That'd be awesome, Woxie. We'd love to see more love for our iconic Canadian cryptids that aren't culturally appropriated for my native siblings and have their names repeated over and over when you're not supposed to say their name in the first place. You know what I'm talking about. Speaking of our infamous dogman, will our first tale be another rousing rendition of someone's experiences with the legendary cryptid? Or something infinitely more dangerous? Hi, DJ. Um, my name is, I mean, you can call me Kay. Uh, and this thing, it happened to me and my friends a few years ago, but back then we, we didn't really want to talk about it to anybody, you know, except each other. Um, but, well, after listening to all the stories from your show, um, and, you know, everyone's experiences, I thought maybe I could, maybe I could share my own. As a warning, maybe? I don't know. You talked about Dogman in the last episode, so you already know a little bit about the guy. Um, the most famous version's from Michigan, but we've gotten a few sightings of our own in Ontario. I, uh, I bring it up because, well, I promise it'll make sense. So, a few years back, I was pretty much a different person back then. I was 16, trying to figure some things out, and it made me testy, rebellious, kind of a dick, to be honest. There was this guy, and he and I liked the same stuff. Cryptids, ghost stories, all that. Back then, all I could think was, this guy gets me, you know? We started dating months after we'd start chatting on Discord, and I was convinced I was in love. 
which, you know, now I know is stupid, but I was 16 at the time, and he was in his 20s. Should have been the first red flag, but I thought I was so mature then. It was good for a while, for given value of good. Honestly, the best thing about it, looking back, was that I never sent nudes. <laughs> I honestly thought it was the worst time of my life and that he was saving me or whatever, but honestly, I was just in a bad place with my depression and anxiety and dysphoria, and he was just taking advantage. I mean, my friends could see it, but at the time, I didn't want to hear it, so I got into fights with some of them. It was, it was dumb. But things started to look up at home and at school about maybe half a year later, and a close friend of mine, let's, let's call her Claire. We made up after a big fight, so things were looking up. I got to spend more time with her and the others when we cleared the air, started hanging out again. Unsurprisingly, my guy wasn't happy about that. He started getting passive-aggressive, then just straight-up aggressive. It got to the point that I'd take breaks in between talking to him, but he'd try to get in touch with me on other social media. So, eventually, I blocked him. My friends helped me, made sure I cut all ties. At that point, it finally sunk in that it was a bad idea for me to be trying to get with a literal adult. So even though it put me through the ringer, I didn't regret cutting him off. Then things started getting worse. He tried fake accounts, cyberstalked me, but after I was able to block his IP, I thought that'd be the end of it. Then, one day, when I was getting out of school, I I saw him. He was literally stalking me right outside my school. My friends were there with me, and they got security before I could try anything, but it really shook me up. So, and one of our friends, let's call her Layla, suggested we go on a camping trip. It was a huge relief. Seven of us would be going camping up north near a river. One of those campsites that takes a bit of walking to get to, but it wasn't, like, hardcore remote or anything. It was a three-night stay, and it would be nice to get away for a little while. See if we couldn't shake my stalker long enough to figure out a way to deal with him. The first night, was it was awesome. We had s'mores, told scary stories, just took the time to rest up. Claire's dog, Pig, was her name. This adorable little bully mix who's the sweetest, goodest girl ever. It was an awesome little protector. Though she spent most of her time sleeping after all the sounds of the forest tired her out. But a day later, well, things started getting a bit weird. When we woke up the next day, preparing for a bit of a hike, Pig found what looked like, well, it looked like dried blood splattered near our campsite. We weren't really sure what it was, but it didn't seem like there was enough to discount another camper getting caught on something sharp. A bad injury, but something the first aid probably fixed up no problem. Three of us went high, while the other four went low. I was trying to get some exercise in with the binder, so 
I followed my more athletic friends up by a cliff overlooking our campsite. We could see our tents from where we'd stopped, and it was Ro uh, um, Rosie who saw this weird... I don't know. Like, someone had been playing with sticks, piling them up on top of each other and making shapes on the ground. It was Rosie who picked up that they looked like our campsite from this angle up to and including seven little flowers that had been sitting around the campfire the way we'd been doing last night. It was freaky enough to get us running back down to the others. When we got back, one of our other friends, Christy, was turning the camp over looking for a bag. She started accusing me of taking it, since it turned out we had the same exact bag, but after Rosie mentioned what we saw up on the cliff... Let's just say the tone shifted. We were all pretty freaked out by the idea that someone might actually be messing with us. The only reason, I think, that we didn't leave that night was because you felt like nobody would f*** with us with Pig around. The second night, it felt like a sleep paralysis nightmare, the way I remember it. Because I remember Pig barking. I remember her barking for hours and hours, but... I couldn't get up to see what was going on. I opened my eyes and saw shadows from the high moon, and I saw the head of a wolf or a dog, its shadow falling over the top of the tent. Even though it was impossible, it felt like I could see its bright eyes through the tarp just looking at me. The spell broke when Claire woke up next to me apologizing for pig barking and getting up to check on her. I got up to see what was going on, and I saw Claire calming pig down where she was tied to our tent, and I couldn't see anything off, even with the moon casting enough light over our camp. After that night passed without much fanfare apart from pig's one-time upset, we decided to hang out by the river, get a bit refreshed, cool our heads. The walk helped me clear my head, and the nightmare was far enough from my mind that Rosie's shout of something across the river threw me for a second. But from where I was standing, I could see what she saw then. A pair of bright eyes in the shadow of the trees, staring at us before blinking out into nothing. Out of curiosity, I got up on a boulder for a better view, and... Across the river, I saw a paw print, so gigantic, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. We all agreed by that point. We weren't staying a third night. As we were making our way back to the campsite to pack it up, Pig suddenly got loose from Claire's grip and ran into the forest. Claire had hardly started yelling yet when I took off running after her. Not a great idea in hindsight. I heard her whimper and wasn't looking where I was going and when I ended up rolling down the side of a little hill. It punched the air out of me, but I got out of it fairly unscathed. I could hear Pig whimpering and follow the noise, and the next thing I knew, I was upside down, hanging from a rope trap that I was pretty sure had sprained my ankle. It hurt so much, but, but I was more distracted when I saw Pig, her... A leash tied around a branch of a nearby tree, barking as hard as her little lungs could manage. There was a shallow but 
visible slash in her side bleeding more than I was comfortable thinking about. Then, out of the forest, came Dogman. Matted, bloody fur on the dog-like head of the creature that stood over six feet tall, making horrific sounds that were between human and an injured animal. Its claws were enormous, like knives, and one of them was covered in the blood, I guess, came from poor pig. I don't know how long I screamed, but I was dizzy and almost passed out by the end of it. That was when I heard laughter. And Dogman lifted his furry head off and revealed my creepy stalker ex. He'd wanted to scare us, he said. Freak us out and make us pay for what we made him go through. Turns out, the rope trap had been for Pig, but seemed to work just as well on me. I don't know what he thought he'd do after. Threaten us? Let us go scot-free to get him arrested? I didn't think that was his plan, and I'm afraid of what he actually had in mind if his plans had been allowed to run their course. He was telling me about how he'd stolen some of our stuff, how... He'd left a bit of the fake blood on the tree, but when I asked him about the paw prints, he looked confused, but but he kept laughing like he'd really messed me up, that I was starting to see things. But over his laughter, his his psychotic explanations, I I heard growling, deep, resonant, low, more... More like an earthquake than the sound of an animal. Then I... Then I heard a wet, loud crack. And then the thump of something hitting the ground. And next thing I knew... He wasn't laughing anymore. <laughs> I mean, kind of hard to laugh without a head. It's... It's genuinely a miracle I didn't pass out then, screaming and struggling as hard as I was. I caught every second of this enormous, hulking figure like like a wolf, but the size of an elephant, licking its bloody chops from its delicious meal and dragging what was left of the body into the forest before coming back. Pig kept barking until the wolf thing looked at her and... I renewed my efforts to get down, screaming for Pig to run, for the for the thing, whatever it was, not to hurt her. But all the thing the wolf did was lick her side as Pig stopped barking, panting with her mouth open wide in her signature goofy pity grin. The wolf thing snapped its jaws over the branch that kept Pig tied up, and, and it looked at me, hanging from the tree for what felt like forever. And then it just huffed and walked away. Pig had run off after that, but brought my friends back a few minutes later to help me down. They saw the carnage that had been left, including the discarded dogman mask on the ground. I told them what I saw, and I doubt they'd have believed me if they didn't see all the blood. 
We took pictures. They got corrupted. Isn't that the way, though? We found Christine's stuff nearby, and on our way home, we reported the site with the blood, saying we thought there might have been an attack or whatever. But we never heard back about anything significant. Either they never found the spot, or maybe it had been empty when they got there. Or maybe they found what we found and just decided not to talk about it. It took me a few months to realize my ex wasn't coming back. I won't even pretend I think it's bad to be relieved. I don't know exactly what I saw, what the wolf I saw could have been. I've heard of something called a Wahila, but but it's really hard to put a name on something like that. On what I experienced. What I saw. But if you're all ever planning to go camping up in northern Ontario, well, I guess just watch out for Dogman or watch out for some gigantic wolves. You never know. Like we mentioned at the beginning of tonight's episode, we can't verify all the information provided by our callers. However, I do remember a rumor going around about three years ago about an unidentified headless body being discovered all the way north of north near a river at a national park. There was a screenshot of a forum post being spread around, though nobody can find the source and the park in question has dismissed these rumors as a great urban legend, but nothing to worry about if you follow park rules. Either way, our caller seems to be doing… pretty well without the nightmare of a stalker looming over their head. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Our second story of the night comes from a lot closer to home, taking place at St. Michael's, and much, much more recent than most of our other entries. Well, it's nice to meet you, DJ. Uh, my name is uh, Gerard. I wanted to tell you about something that happened to me the other day. Yeah, it's uh, pretty recent, and... Well, I uh, told this story to my daughter, and she told me to tell you what was going on. Now, I I'm not exactly well-versed in this kind of thing, but I heard you were from the radio, and I remember enjoying your show and some of my longer shifts, so I thought maybe it would be a good idea to tell you, since it seems like there's been a lot of people who have been experiencing something similar. So, I guess, um, it started when I was, uh, well, I got an operation done recently, and... It wasn't a big one, but it did still put me out, so they put me in a shared ward to recover for a couple of days. And, you know, we had our own beds, but we had some uh, curtains to divide us from the other patients. So, I didn't see much. I saw some of the people across from me, like, um, a little bit on the left, a little bit on the right, and of course the guy in front of me. Young guy, I think, was there for exhaustion or dehydration or something. Anyway, it happened about the uh, third night I was there, maybe. 
you know, business as usual, the nurse came to check on me, make sure that I was doing alright, and then, so that time, uh, visit and ours were over, so, that was all I noticed when this, uh, this lady just walked in, and she was a real noticeable lady, I'll just say that, she was dressed in a bit of an old-fashioned style, looked like a vintage lady, looked a bit like how my parents used to dress when they were young, but maybe a little older, a lot more high-class. She was walking around like she owned the place. She had this red lipstick on, and she was looking around with this huge grin on her face, like like she was looking at a buffet. I was feeling a little antsy when I saw her, in fact. Couldn't explain why. I could see her walk across the way, and I saw her stop by the bed that was beside the one across from mine, looking at the guy there like, like she was measuring him up or something. None of the nurses came in that time, none of the doctors either. It was just this one lady walking around, and she was definitely neither of those things. She touched the man right on his head, like she was picking him or something, and then she walked right back out. Next time a nurse walked in, well, there was a little bit of a a little bit of chaos happening, like alarms going off quiet, with these doctors and nurses rushing in to check on this guy, the same guy that this old-fashioned lady was looking at. I watched them cover him up and wheel him right out, a guy who was supposedly healthy enough to stay in a shared ward, and he was just gone. I couldn't imagine what had happened, but... I suspect that it had something to do with the lady. I told my doctor as much next time she checked on me. Told her I saw this man get looked over by a stranger before he died. The doctor said she'd look into it, but next I saw her, she told me that there was nobody in there. That maybe I was just having a dream. She joked that maybe I had a little magic in me. That I knew he was gone, but my brain processed it in a different way. I didn't believe that for a second. Well, the next night I was watching out for this lady to come back, and instead I saw this, this man. Same deal, after visiting ours, this man just waltzed in. I tried to look at his face like I did with the lady with the red lipstick, but, but honestly, I can't even remember what it looked like now. But I did know that he was smiling. In fact, he was whistling something, a jaunty little tune as he, as he walked over to the bed with a young man across from me. He was wearing the same style of clothing as the lady, so I was on high alert. But what I saw was a lot worse than I was expecting. The man, he started taking his gloves off. And then, next thing I know, he puts his hands on the patient's chest and opened him up like like a Thanksgiving turkey. There weren't even any cuts, weren't even any knives or anything. He just he just opened this boy up like like it was nothing. Splayed him wide open. There was there was blood, but 
Not as much as you'd think. It was just on the man's hands and uh, on the ribs and everything, but it, it didn't even get on the sheets. And and the young man, the, the, the patient, he was just... He was, he was asleep. He was sleeping through it, I could see. I could see air being taken into his lungs. I could see his lungs inflating and deflating from where I was lying, and I couldn't move. I couldn't move. It was like a nightmare. Could have been a nightmare. But it, it felt real. It felt way too real to be one. And I didn't, I didn't dream the other man dying or getting wheeled out. I didn't dream that at all. And this, this young man, he was just sleeping while, while the stranger rooted around in his insides, just taking out pieces of him. Pieces that were intact, his liver, his, his stomach, his, his kidneys. I, I lost count as he was just looking over them like he was, like he was doing some kind of tune-up to a car. Just checking over his organs, counting his ribs, and... And then, the lady from the other night, she walked right in, and the way I saw it, when she saw the man opening up the patient, she, it looked like she was delighted. If the other man didn't have a face, as far as I could remember, I don't think I would have realized that the lady had blood on her lips that she was wiping off delicately with a little handkerchief. She greeted the other man like long-lost friends, and they shook hands, shook bloody hands like it was nothing. She asked him if he needed any help, and he was happy to oblige her, but told her not to snack, because he wanted this one to stay. And that was when I realized, I think... I know what happened to the other one. It was then, while they were catching up like old friends, that... The man, he... He looked at me. I know he looked at me, even though I don't remember his face. I just know that he... Smiled and... Came over to me, and I couldn't move a single muscle. Like something was keeping me down, keeping me... From reacting, and... The man smiled at me, and... And I could hear him ask the other lady if she was feeling peckish. I couldn't move, but I sure as hell could cry, because I thought, I thought what happened to the other man, the man who'd been wheeled out with a blanket over his head, would happen to me. And my family hadn't even visited me yet, and it was supposed to be a small operation. I was, I was terrified. But the lady, when she came over, and her eyes, her eyes looked as red as her lips that time. She, she bent over and she sniffed me like she was checking for something. Then she, uh, she laughed. She said I wasn't fresh enough, whatever that meant. So the man, he patted me on the head and he told me I didn't know how lucky I was. The last thing I saw before he told me to go to sleep was the young man sleeping right across from me, his ribs like a wide-open jaw, and all his innards laid out like a catalog. <sighs> I woke up the next day, and 
I saw the young man eating his breakfast like nothing had happened. He hadn't been rolled away, though the bed next to him was still empty. There was no sign of blood, nothing to indicate that what I saw last night had even been real. I kept watching, and I watched the young man have some visitors over, two nice ladies, and I thought he was doing all right. Before visiting hours were over that day, one of the ladies looked at me, like... She knew something had happened, but didn't know what. I slept peacefully that night. My family came to visit me in the morning, and I was discharged the day after. I don't know if I dreamt it all up, but, like I said, I didn't dream up the other man dying. And I don't think I dreamt up the fear that I felt. Like, what had happened wasn't all an accident. If you don't think hospitals are the creepiest place in the world, then I'm sorry, you're wrong. I mean, it's probably the one place we've all visited in our lives where we know for a fact that someone died. And that there were actual corpses in the same building, with the morgue and all. How many ghosts do you think are wandering those halls? All that said, I don't think the people our friend Mr. Gerard saw were ghosts. On top of everything else happening in Toronto right now, I can't be surprised we now have to deal with cannibals. Um, don't quote me on this, but next time I need to go to the hospital, no way in hell I'm getting left alone. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed tonight's terrifying tales. We all know that Salt and Sage can ward off ghosts, but does anyone have any suggestions on how to ward off cannibals? Anyone? You're listening to Hainai. By Motsi Dapul. Hey everyone, this is Reg Helly, co-creator and co-producer of Hainai. Hainai is a podcast produced by Motsi Dapul, Yoi Halago, and me, and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. Today's episode was written and directed by Motsi Dapple, who also plays the role of teen narrator Kay and adult narrator Gerard. Wild. The role of DJ was played by Yoi Hilago. To help support the production of Hainai, you can buy us a milk tea at coffee or subscribe to our coffee gold at coffee.com slash hainaipod. That's ko-fi.com slash hainaipod. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash hainaipod. 
You can also check out official Hainai merchandise on our Redbubble store at redbubble.com slash people slash Hainai pod. Hainai is available on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can find the links to these channels along with news and updates on our official blog, hainaipod.tumblr.com. If you get to listen, leave us a rating and review while you're at it. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hainaipod. If you remember from our last announcement, episodes will now be posted once a month. That's Sunday, 9pm EST, or Monday, 10am PHT. Because, you know, daylight savings time. And with that, our next episode will be on December 26 EST, or December 27 PHT. And with that, we wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and once again, thank you all for listening.